Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. On this week's we're talking about where Bristol City are at in terms of what they're doing with their employees. We know some clubs are starting to furlough staff. Uh, we'll also be reflecting back on the season so far. We really do have this so far. Uh, and I'll be asking Gregor uh, for his goal of the season. And we'll be discussing our games of the season. And we'll also be discussing uh, someone who many of you might not know about, but who for us is really, really important at Bristol City. And I'll ask Gregor about his best game ever as a Bristol City reporter, because he recently, I think last week, Gregor, you ticked over to three years as a Bristol City reporter. Am I right? That's right. Yep. Three years. Robins. Oh, it's gone quick. Uh, but first, we will start by just saying this is going to be the last podcast for a while, which um, I know we're both a little bit gutted about, but. Things beyond our control. Uh, Gregor, you're all furloughed for a few weeks, aren't you? That's correct, yep. I am basically at home at the moment. And like a lot of football reporters, we've been stood down at the moment and, yeah, furloughed like like other people across the football industry. And it's part of this government job retention scheme. So, yeah, it kind of makes sense because there's not much happening at the moment. And it's a bit like our summer break really come a bit early so, so yeah, let's, yeah let's hope that's all it is and we will be back up and and firing in a few weeks time um so can we just start by talking about what greg clark said he's the fa chief and he admitted uh yesterday uh, that the season may well not be completed as he uh, he's called for unity among clubs and leagues now this would indicate that maybe we won't get back to football this season however haven't uefa or fifa said that that everyone has as long as they need to complete the league. It's a bit, I'm a bit confused. Yeah, basically, it just seems like everything is still on the table. Um, just, just on the Greg Clark thing. That I don't know if you saw that report yesterday that there was a Udinese director, and of course, I think it's Udinese have got a tie-up with Watford. And this guy was saying that the Premier League are going to soon announce that the, the season is being uh, voided completely. However, I don't think that is the case. It's just one person's view, more likely that. In, in terms of, yeah, Greg Clark, and um, I, I know what he's driving at there because it, it is difficult in terms of the timeframes. I think we, we discussed it in a bit more detail last week, didn't we, in terms of the contracts. That's the big thing because you can you can push the contracts on by a few weeks. And, yeah. of course, FIFA, as you say, has already ruled on this that, that they're happy to basically extend contracts to the end of the season whenever that is. However... If you then start talking about a few months, that's a bit of a different case because you'll have some guys who are out of contract and will, and will be looking to, to basically move and play football elsewhere. And you've basically come a, a cropper as according to employment rules in the UK and, and EU. Um, you, you sort of come against a restraint of, tra- uh, restraint of trade regulation and things like this. So basically, yeah, it's a whole can of worms. And I, I, I honestly believe that there'll come a point where they, they'll they set a cut off that, that if the season isn't completed by then, then they will have to uh, yeah, consider other measures. But we haven't come to that. And actually, from maybe we'll come on to this, but from what I've read recently, I'm a, a bit more optimistic, actually, that, that we might eventually see some football again, maybe June or July time. Yeah, well, we can keep everything crossed. Um, but in terms of Bristol City, where they're at, clubs are starting to furlough staff and things now. There's been talk of player wage cuts in the Championship and the Football League. What do we know about what Bristol City are doing? 
So, yeah, reported last week that our understanding is that the Ashton Gate Stadium staff have been furloughed. So those guys have been stood down, like myself, uh, in the same capacity. And then, yeah, club owner Steve Lansdowne uh, released a interview on Monday. And he basically spoke, he didn't give too many details to be fair, but he, he spoke on the situation regarding the football club because it is a bit of a hot topic and everybody's got their own opinion on, on whether the players should have wage cuts or deferrals. And he explained that there are talks going on at the moment and he, he added that he expects there to be either some announcement by the end of April mm. or or, or it would be widely known in the media about what is going to happen. And he, he did add to that that, yeah, that these things take some time to get done correctly because, in his words, you're talking about players' livelihoods, yeah. people's jobs, and you just can't announce that, well, yeah, we're going to do this or that. All this stuff has got to be negotiated. It's, it's obviously a difficult situation because... Um, the PFA, LMA and the Premier League have all got a say in this as well because, uh, as we discussed last week, the PFA want everybody across the board to be united in the way that this is done and that is going to take a, a lot of negotiation because clubs and players and everybody has got their own say and they want to do things their way and will have different opinions on it. So it's yeah, a big load of bureaucracy to wade through and slowly that it will happen and is happening and hopefully we'll hear something soon. Yeah, that is it's such a difficult situation. And in terms of, you know, you've, you've just mentioned it then, getting playing again. There's so many uh, theories and there's so much speculation, not just about football, but about when wider life might return to some degree of normality. But I don't know, to me, I think... We're still a long way way off that. You know, when people talk about, oh, we'll have a massive party when this is all over, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be a very gradual thing. Uh, you know, so hopefully at some point we can get lockdown lifted and then the social distancing will continue. But while social distancing is continuing, football can't be played, can it? No, I, I don't think so. And I mean, there have been talks, though, this is in the public domain, isn't there, that they've widely thought about games behind closed doors and maybe that will be like one stepping stone if you like between now yeah reducing lockdown and before we return to normal state of play and games being played with crowds etc one interesting thing to note is that in the bundesliga players in, in germany players are actually allowed back into training at the moment which is um and yeah i guess you could argue that it's not so different here when you see mm. jose Mourinho training players in the park like like has happened this week but yeah in, in germany they're a little bit ahead of us they've got players who've returned to training so and I think we're a couple of weeks behind all these countries, as as per most measures. So I'm not I'm not suggesting that we're going to see any players returning to training anytime soon. But further down the line, once we've obviously got past the peak and and the numbers are starting to drop off in terms of people being infected, then obviously there will be some return to play protocols but you're right i think you're as you say there michelle you spot on i think it's not going to be suddenly we rush back to playing football there's going to have to be some halfway measures and yeah i strongly think that there will be behind closed doors mm. games at first and then they'll will build that, on it from there will that include when we say behind closed doors will the media be allowed in i, d I don't know on that but my suspicion is i don't think we will i think they'll just cut the numbers and the, the 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 main plan that's been reported out there by 
um, some of the broadsheets is that basically, basically, and actually this was ruled on recently by UEFA, is that they've allowed they'll allow games to take place at three o'clock on a Saturday, which then gives clubs the ability to play games behind closed doors, but then stream the games on their own independent TV channels, charge money for those streams so they mm -hmm. can then bring in, uh, they've got the entertainment going, they can bring in money, they can start to pay uh, wages and, and, and have, a, have those vital revenues and income. And that seems to have been the main idea floated. So that's what I would look out for in, in, in the forthcoming months to two months, something, a plan along those lines. All right, okay. That's, uh, that's something I hadn't, well, I mean, I'd seen sort of discussed Sorry, I don't know if you can hear my doorbell, but yeah, this is the authenticity of uh, working from home in lockdown. Don't worry, it's just a delivery. We are social distancing. Um, that would be quite interesting, wouldn't it? Because the club, to an extent, would be able to... There we are. This is So I'm going to leave this in here because, as you can see, the doorbell's gone, the dog's barking, and now the baby is crying. <laughs> this is lockdown life, isn't lockdown it? Lockdown life, yeah. Lockdown life. As I was saying before all that kicked off, um, with, with that, is there a worry that clubs couldn't be held to account for things in terms of asking, uh, answering journalist questions? Or could we see like remote press conferences? You know, is that the sort of lines we could be going down where we had a post-match presser, almost like they're doing in Downing Street at the moment where the journalists dialed in and asked questions? Yeah, it, it, good question. I, yeah, I haven't really thought about it too much, but I think. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe we could do, maybe they might solicit sort of questions ahead of ahead of the press conference taking place. But yeah, it depends on on, on the regulations and that. I, I think the big thing obviously is, is is the resources they would need to put on the games and mm. obviously to, to make sure that uh, the NHS um, forces aren't stretched at all. And that's the point they've got to get to really. Absolutely, so, yeah. It's got to uh, be safe, hasn't it? Yeah, well, hopefully... When we return in a few weeks, we'll have a much, much clearer picture. But like you say, you know, the priority at the moment is that the emergency services, key workers, NHS are all concentrating on what is most important at the moment. Uh, on uh, a lighter note, I wanted to ask you about your best game. We we're going to do this last week, but we got distracted by Corey Smith. So I thought that your best game would have been the Manchester United game at Ashton Gate in the League Cup. Because for me... I think that's the most memorable game for Bristol City I've seen. I've been coming down to Ashton Gate since oh, 2014. So obviously nowhere near as long as some of the more experienced fans. Uh, you've been going down for three years, but you do home and away. I only do some away games. So what is the one that sticks in your mind? Well, yeah, for... For obviously the the prestige and yeah the memorable nature, then yeah the Manchester United game is right up there. However, if you're asking me best game, it depends a little bit on your definition of best. For me, because the Manchester United game was so high profile, um, just from a very personal uh, nature here, there was so much work to do in that, and you're obviously under a lot of pressure to do stuff that I wasn't able to take in the game. Um, probably as much as I would have liked as a, as a normal game. I don't know if that's the same for you, Michelle, when you're working on high-profile games or yeah. whatever. And I, I don't know, with the really big games as well, you want to take everything on board. And I'm not sure whether that was quite the case. But, I mean, to give some insight onto that Manchester, into that Manchester United game, obviously the, the amount of media there on the day was hugely more oh, than there is normal. Couldn't get in the press room, could we? 
Exactly, and and let alone every every seat in the press box was taken up. Uh, we had extra members of staff from Bristol Live there as well because you want to. Basically, there's, there's so much interest in that kind of game. You, you, everybody wants to know what's going on, it, the mm. full story behind the scenes, everything. So there's so much to do in everything. So it, it, it is a hugely memorable game. Uh, obviously, I, I'd probably put it down as the bit best win over the three years I've been yeah. in the club and in recent times. However, I like to look at uh, a bit beyond that. And uh, for me, some of the best games have been the wins on the road because... I always like that sort of uh, um, togetherness nature when you're on the road um, and you've got all the, the Bristol City fans making a, a big day of it going out and you've yep. also got the, the staff travelling from the club and everything. And there is a bit of mutual camaraderie and everything involved when you go to clubs and and, and you're working for one club and, and obviously covering one club and you're you're against the locals the local club. So I would maybe from a personal nature maybe mention some of the, the best away days that I've covered with Bristol City over the last three years and for those I'd definitely be looking uh, the, the trips to Fulham, uh, obviously uh, Bristol City fans really love a day out in yeah. West London of late. And yeah, those wins at Craven Cottage have been really great the last couple of times they've visited there. And I'd also probably mention, I mean, just from a personal nature, some of the, the wins they've had, such as Sunderland away, I believe that they hadn't won there for something like 30, 40 years. And there's quite a few of these games, actually, where they hadn't won for many, many years. But for Sunderland away, actually, from a personal point of view, my wife drove uh, all the way up to Sunderland with myself. Um, so it was a bit of like a family trip almost. We wow. went to visit some, some family at the time. Yeah, that's good dedication from her. And, uh, yeah, You're it was still a, married, wow. <laughs> barely. And um, uh -huh. yeah, so just from a personal point of view, it, it was a good trip that and had a good win. I remember Milan Juric scoring the winning goal up there. I, actually, if, if I tie it into something now, I don't know if you've been watching any of the Sunderland Till, till I Die series. Do you know what? We had a debate whether to start Tiger King or Sunderland Till I Die, and we watched, because we've seen the first one, and I saw the trailer of Sunderland Till I Die on Netflix, I was like, hmm, that doesn't look very uplifting at the moment. So then we started <laughs> Tiger King, which is definitely not uplifting. So, uh, yeah, we're going to come on to Sunderland Till I Die this week, I think. We've seen yeah, the first yeah, I, I I hadn't seen it, but this is why I've I've been keeping myself busy over lockdown. I've been I watched the first series all this week, and yeah, I just want to mention during that that incredible save from Frank Fielding. Do you remember in the in the three all game at Ashton Gate? I remember that three all game so clearly. Yeah, and Ashley Fletcher. They they obviously make a big deal of it in that series, and I still can't get over how Fielding made that save. It was just yeah unbelievable, and yeah. Just to yeah, just to go back then. So yeah, the Sunderland away trip, also Ipswich Town away, uh, a good mm -hmm. win there for the first time in years and years. And yeah, some of those special special trips on the road. Obviously, Manchester City is up there as well because um, it's not too often that you get to go up there when you come yeah. to City. So yeah, yeah, good good times. All Although that. controversially, right when I went to Manchester City to the press room. I was like, I was, like, I was promised they've got a really good vegetarian option. You'll love it. And there was nothing vegetarian. Can you believe it? At a Premier League club, there was no vegetarian option. I think I had a sweet potato. I was quite disappointed. And the wooden wooden cutlery, which is all probably very environmentally friendly, but just not what I expected. That's outrageous, to be honest. <laughs> I, I think is I'm right in saying that every club is supposed to supply a hot meal, isn't it, for the yeah. reporters and media? Well, so 
that brings me on to uh, talking about my column this week. It's my last column for a while, obviously, because of the situation that's happening. And I spoke to Ken Chappell this week, who is basically in charge of looking after the media, the press, the photographers at Bristol City. And he's been going uh, with Bristol City on away trips for years. And then he kind of stopped that. And he just does home games now. There's much more about Ken in my column this week and his background with the club. But he always makes sure that there's something vegetarian for me, doesn't he? He's an absolute gem. And I don't know about you, but it's these little things that I'm missing. I'm missing everyone on a match day. I miss going into the press room. I miss chatting and catching up with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I mean a little bit with the camaraderie and the yeah. away tips. I, I, Yeah, Ken is such a lovely guy. And he does a brilliant job behind the scenes there. He organises all the food, tea and coffee for all the media and everything. But I always see Ken as well on away trips. And what happens is I normally get to the ground a little bit earlier than I do for home matches. And I try and go and have a word with some of the um, City fans who have travelled up, hear their views and and how confident they are ahead of the game, etc. And Ken is always there, bless him. He's he's always one of the the first Bristol City fans to arrive on the ground and, and, and have a little chat with him. As, as we watch the the, the um, away team bus arrive and the city players get off and everything. But yeah, he's a lovely chap. It really is. Like when you stop and think about it, it's a way of life, football, you know, for, I mean, Ken obviously works at home games, but goes to away games as a fan. And for so many fans, this is yeah, the highlight of the week. And maybe, like, I don't think we forget that, but maybe sometimes we take it a little bit for granted because we go there and we go there to work and it's our job. But really, at the end of a working week, this is what everyone looks forward to or on a Tuesday night or taking your child to their first game or going there with your family or best friends. And I think when it comes back, like we will never take it for granted again, will we? No, absolutely not. And actually, at this point, I just want to make a quick mention for um, Martin and Sarah, who who I all, um, always speak to as well. They're quite often around Ken and around the uh, the away um, section where where the away sports go in and the city fans arrive. So I quite often speak to those guys, and they're great because they recently handed me. Um, a list of player ratings to see how it compared to my my player ratings. And, <laughs> and thankfully, I don't think, well, there's a few little differences here and there. I'm not going to um, name names of the players or anything, but um, I think by and large, it seems to be on the mostly the same, uh, the same line of thinking that they're on. So that's good to know. Okay, let's get your goal of the season then. Um, I know you've been writing a bit about this. Um, out of everything you've seen this season, which the season sort of seems like a long time ago, weirdly. Best goal? Yeah, I, yeah. so far. We, we discussed this recently and we reckon it's, it's it depends what you like in your goals. And if you prefer a team goal, and the, the main one that a lot of fans spoke to me about was the the Deju goals, the second one at Fulham, which was obviously another great away day. Uh, but in, in terms of, yeah, that goal, I don't know if you remember it, Michelle, but it started with a long ball to Deju. He holds it up, lays it back. And then there's a brilliant piece of skill from Masengo. He does like a, a Zidane-style pirouette. Or, or maybe I'm being a little bit generous to him there. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's just more more of a drag back. But he absolutely sells. I think it's either Tom Kearney or Stefan Johansson down the river and spins away. And the ball goes up the right. It ends up with Jack Hunt playing a pass through Joe Bryan's legs uh, for Josh Brownhill to then flick 
into Adam Naj, who's running into the right-hand side of the box, and he all he does is roll it across the goal line almost. And Deju <laughs> comes in, and he's a yard out, and he does his best to miss this, but he kind of scuffs the ball in. But if you like a team goal, then that's definitely up there. It's it's amazing, like the detail that you remember these things in. Um, what about best game of the season? Because I. I've literally missed half the season because I gave birth in the um, well, end of October. So the one that sticks in my mind, but it's probably because it was the first game I've been to in a couple of months, was the game, the 3-0 win against Luton at Christmas time. But like we brought Zach down to his first game and things. It was a really good atmosphere. And Bristol City were brilliant, but Luton were terrible. Yeah, and, and City have been strangely consistent, haven't they, against the bottom size this, this, this season. I think that was... Among the three wins then of of them beating the three bottom sides, I think they followed it up, didn't they, with a, the win over Barnsley in the last minute with a goal from Nicholas Eliasson. And, and they also beat the, whoever else is down there at the bottom. I've forgotten temporarily at the moment. Luton Town, Barnsley, and um, obviously they lost at Charlton, but they only just slipped into there. But they did have some other good results against the teams at the bottom there. Um, yeah. In terms of best matches, though, I'd agree with you. Yeah, 3-0, you can't, at home, you can't dabble with that. Probably the 5-2 win at home against Huddersfield is if you if you wanted more goals. Um, but again, I think some of the wins on the road have been more spectacular and maybe none more so than the win at Cardiff for the first time in 17-odd years or whatever it was. And also, and probably should mention this in terms of the last question, uh, Josh Brownhill's blockbuster goal to win that game absolutely yes Body. Yeah. yeah from 30 yards out to fly over um neil etheridge was it etheridge in goal that day i think it was and and yeah cracking goal if you're going to win a derby that's the way to do it i mean like i said like how do you remember everything so clearly because i do and i don't do you know what i mean like i can remember games and moments but I mean, is it the fact you have to write it all down or? Yes. Yeah. Basically, because you're quite often asked the, the same questions and uh, yeah, writing about these these things. It's, it's easier as well, I always think, if you're um, just reporting on one club, really. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a bit easier for myself, really. I remember watching that game. I think I maybe watched that game at home because it was on telly, wasn't it? The Cardiff City v Bristol City one. And it's yeah. when I just, yeah, I'd just gone on maternity and had a baby in my arms. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing the thing, the things you remember. Well, uh, I, I got a bit bored this week. I think you saw uh, at the weekend and decided to do a. Well, you could do this over the next few weeks if you're bored. You could start doing a running commentary on whatever your wife is doing. Um, because my uh, other half was insistent that he wanted to play FIFA. This was just a ploy for him to play FIFA. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, it's on my Twitter, and it's uh, myself commentating on him scoring a goal on FIFA, which is as close to commentary as I've got for a, for a few months. But what brilliant. are you doing next? What did you brilliant. like it? it <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I saw it. I saw it. And weren't you guys on the radio as well? Um, I know. BBC, uh, BBC Radio 1 picked it up as well. Which brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. and the post-match is quite good. If you haven't seen the post-match, I do like the post-match. My microphone was a banana. So uh, that's where we're at. Uh, that's, that's where we're all at. Um, but, so you're going to just have a bit of downtime now and then get back to sort of Bristol City reporting hopefully in a few weeks? Yeah, ex exactly that. I mean, there's going to be stories on Bristol Live uh, still. So, if, yeah, if you are looking out for, well, do keep an eye out on there, basically, for any city story. We'll be covering the big stuff. We do have people who are still working there and, and keeping things ticking over. Yeah, 
as for myself, yeah, I guess it's a bit of downtime, but I'll still be on social media. I'm always keen to hear from Bristol City fans. So if you've got any questions or queries or anything or anything you want us to take up with the club, for example, then, yeah, do drop us a line. That's that's what we're there for. So, um, And we've had some successes recently on, on various little bits. So it's, it's always worth doing, I think. Um, mm, absolutely. As, as for myself, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have too many excuses now for, for not doing all the jobs around the house that I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and re-watching a, a few other basically bits I had on my menu that I wanted to watch, such as, as I say, Sunderland Till I Die and, and also some other ones. I don't know if it's worth watching that Leeds United one. Take. Ah, oh, do you know what? We started watching it and we sort of sloped off. It just didn't captivate us like the Manchester City one did. Um yeah. But yeah, is, I don't know. Have a watch. Let me know what you think. Is the Manchester City one the best one? I've started watching that one as well. That what? Yeah, it's been a while since we watched it, but that was really good. And something until I die, the first series we saw was very good as well. So I usually love a football sort of documentary, but couldn't really get into the Leeds one. So I don't know. Maybe it's because Leeds are Bristol City's promotion rivals. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I definitely I'll be watching as well the uh, Sunderland one to see if I'm in it because I they were at. Uh, the Bristol Rovers game that I did in the spring. That's so, right. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We will see. Um, yeah. Well, fantastic to catch up, Gregor. Um, and hopefully we'll be back in a few weeks' time. Uh, stay safe and stay well, Gregor. And we'll catch up very soon. Take care. Robins on the Wire.